Hi, my name is Ali Sternberg. Welcome back to Crossing Paths, a podcast coming to you from Madrid, Spain, which is where I just moved to in February from New York City, along with my wife and our mini poodle. We are here because my wife is attending culinary school, and this podcast is an opportunity for me to do something that I really enjoy, which is meeting other people from all walks of life who are also living away from home, away from their culture, away from their norms. In this episode, I crossed paths with Claire Jones. She's our first giri, which in Spain means she's from the United States. I loved our conversation for a number of reasons. First of all, Spain was not all sunshine and roses or daisies or whatever the expression is. Uh, it wasn't all great for her. And it took a lot of effort to really stick with it through difficult work conditions, situations, as well as health problems. Claire is a stand-up comedian, which is near and dear to my heart. It's something that I tried to do briefly in my early 20s, and we talk a lot about the Madrid comedy community, which she really contributed to by co-running her own show, and it's a big reason why she stayed in, in Spain. And lastly, we talked about her decision to leave Madrid and go back to the U.S., which she did very shortly after our conversation. So as always, I hope you enjoy. So I already said this before off mic, but welcome and thank you for, for being here. Great, it's yeah, really you're welcome. It. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk to you about, some stuff that we just started talking about before I hit record, <laughs> but uh, just the basics to start us off, where are you from and uh, when did you move to Spain? My name is Claire. Um, I am uh, from Washington, the state. Uh-huh. Uh, there, you know, I always have to... To clarify, um, yeah, I moved to Madrid for nine months in 2015. You know, I feel like with most people, you know, nine months turned into a year, turned into two years, turned into four years. So that's where we're at. My uh, four-year Spain anniversary is next week. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. When you so you first came for nine months was the original plan. Yeah. What were you uh, planning on doing? Um, I was just going to work with the auxiliar program. I was just going to teach English, travel around Europe, and then uh, you know go home and get a real job. Yeah. Quote unquote. <laughs> the auxiliar program for people who don't know is a Spain government thing, right? Yeah. So it's. Um, a grant supplied by the Spanish Ministry of Education, Culture, and Sport to have native English speakers come and teach English in a public school for a year. Fancy. So yeah. Fancy title. <laughs> fancy title. Fancy title. Exactly. Exactly. And you were you were placed in Madrid. I, I know there's like a placement program. Yeah. So I feel like I, I, I got the opposite of of winning the lottery with my placement the first year because um, why most people are like you know fairly close to the center and they're like big schools and they've got a lot of like resources and there's other teaching assistants that work there and I was in like the end of the <laughs> comunidad like as far away as you can get and uh-huh. still be in Madrid but oh, you were like an outer 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 borough yeah like the yeah <laughs> like the end of zone c2 which is like the furthest transport zone that you can still be in uh in Madrid where did you live? Um, so I lived in a neighborhood called Pacifico because that's uh-huh. where all the buses left from. I know it, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah. So um, I was actually placed in four really small non-bilingual schools. I was the only teaching assistant, so I would go to one school every week. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for those of you who don't know, most of these placements are like one school you stay there for the whole year there's usually at least one other teaching assistant at your school and so my 
position, and you're usually at bilingual schools, so my position was very unique right. because it was four schools, non-bilingual, and I was the only one out there. Were they, was this like the first year they wanted to have English education? Um, no, they had, I think, two assistants before me. Okay. So it, for me, that was a really, I mean, looking back on it now, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience, but like going through it was really difficult because it was pretty isolating. Uh, I only knew, it wasn't until like March or April that I found one other person who was in kind of a similar placement as I was. Um, so it was just, it was, it was lonely because yeah. nobody really could understand like the experience that I was Right, it was a very through. unique experience to you. <laughs> totally. I mean, like, so I would take the bus from Pacifico neighborhood in Madrid to a, uh, like, quote-unquote, bigger village <laughs> uh, where someone would hopefully remember to pick me up because the bus schedule didn't correspond with the school schedule. So they would pick me up and then, like, drive me to the school... Um, but I would have to text them like the night before <laughs> to remind them because like they only saw me for four days out of the month. So, yeah. Um, oh my I, God. Yeah. I got forgotten a couple of times and I was just like waiting like, okay. Uh. <laughs> so you were really, really remote because yeah. you know, I, I taught English in Chile mm-hmm. as listeners of the podcast will know. Uh, but, and I was, I was living in like the center of Santiago, mm-hmm. but the school that I taught at uh, or the university I taught at was like about 45 minutes and three different metros uh, mm-hmm. outside of the city. So I, I totally hear you on that, but it sounds like you, I, I could get there via metro and like walk into the school without having to text someone to get a, a, a pickup. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I would take a bus. It was about 45 minutes in the morning. I would take a bus um, out to uh, this village called Villarejo de Salvanes. And then uh, that was three weeks out of the um, month. And then there was one week out of the month where, like, there were some teachers who lived in Madrid. So I would take the metro to where they lived, and then they would just drive me mm. out there. Um, and That's then, nice. Yeah, so that was that was a little bit luckier. But then, like, after school ended, the bus only came, like, once every two or three hours. So I usually had to wait, like, 45 minutes, like, 30 to 45 minutes for the bus to come. And, like, there was one village that I was in where, like, there was only one cell service provider. And, like, I didn't have it. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So I, like, just couldn't use my phone while I was waiting. I mean, there was, like, if I stood in the corner of the bus shelter, like, I could get some WhatsApps. But, like, I couldn't send any back. You were just, like... You were just like in the corner of the bus station, just like, please, can this, can my phone work? Yeah, exactly. It was just like, well, you know, and I can get the WhatsApps, but I couldn't send any back. And so, I don't know, I got really into podcasts that yeah. year. And, <laughs> I mean, it, to be fair, it was nice to have like the built in like nap time going home every right. day because it was like in, I don't know, it was over an hour almost an hour and a half right, on the just way like home. Switch off and. Right, I was just so exhausted. I mean, I don't, you've, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, worked with children um i was not working with children okay yeah so okay. that's even there lucky <laughs> yeah lucky you yeah i mean working with kids is is funny and like they just they they're so just like pure and honest and they like love you so much but they are exhausting and so it's like i would sit down on the bus and i would just i would just yeah. go and fall asleep. that's a whole different that's uh, a whole different thing yeah i, mean, I was teaching english to university students okay. who were like I was only slightly older than them, and so that was a whole different situation where they were like, who is this guy? Like, we don't, I'm not going to take him seriously. Right. <laughs> but uh, managing kids at the same time as, like, speak, teaching English is probably yeah. tough. I guess after the nine months, though, it was enjoyable enough for you to want to stay? Or? Well, and, like, this sounds crazy trying to explain this to people, but, like, I had a terrible time my first year. 
and I like really struggled with a lot of just like mental health issues and I had tons of just like paperwork problems I'm sure, which everyone who's ever moved to another country can yeah. I'm sure relate to just like it and it was just it was like I just had problem after problem after problem and just it was like thing after thing after thing just kept going wrong and everyone was like just go home just leave and I was mm. like I like living abroad and like you know traveling is the only thing I've ever wanted uh-huh. in my life and I was like I'm not gonna leave hating Spain hating my time here hating teaching like I was like I'm gonna leave on my terms when I feel like mm. it's time to go and I was like I know this can be a positive experience because I know so many people have had a, a positive experience with right. it so I was like I'm not leaving until I'm satisfied so I don't know if that's yeah. pride or stubborn or stupid or all of the above but <laughs> but yeah I mean it's how you felt in the moment you, you don't yeah. want to uh give up on it necessarily exactly. or you wanted to keep pushing through to see if there is an experience a good experience somewhere in there right and I was like this is the only dream I've ever had for myself I was like I'm not leaving you know on a bad note I'm not leaving you know being like I hate Spain I'm never yeah. coming back you know all of those things so. how did you decide on Spain originally well I wanted to go to a Spanish-speaking country, and I did a little bit... One of my professors in college was like, oh, you should look at the teaching assistant program in Spain, and I was like, nah, that's fine, I won't, and then, uh, (laughs) I don't know, I was just kind of, like, unhappy with what I was doing in the States, and I was like, you know what, Spain seems like a good choice, so I just, like, applied, and... And here, and yeah, it it all happened. Yeah. Did you, after that first year, did you stay with the same program, or did you venture out? I know a lot of people here go into, like, private academies. Yeah, so I switched to a different program that worked in concertado, so, like, charter schools, Um, and I did a master's degree, because I was like, I need to stay here so like if you mm. stay with the ministry program in Madrid they make you renew with the same school and I was like I'm not you don't doing do this that. again yeah. <laughs> um, and so I decided to do a master's degree in bilingual education and then the like teaching practicum was working as a teaching assistant uh, in this like charter school and that was also a really difficult experience um, I had a lot of problems with the school that I worked with um, so that was Again, just a really tough yeah. year. Um, and I mean, I was doing a master's degree that most people do. Like, I feel like it probably should have been spread out over two years just because it's like you take all the classes. Yeah. So I worked five days a week and then I went to class every Friday. And then um, I was like writing a, a thesis in theory throughout the whole year that definitely didn't happen it sort of came together you know the last minute uh, towards the end um but yeah then that was that year I was working uh six days a week just like doing like private classes Mm. and doing my teaching practicum and then um I was running a show a comedy show Uh every Saturday night um so you were you had a packed schedule yeah (laughs) so I know I wanted to bring up the the comedy stuff Mm -hmm. you are uh in the stand-up comedy scene here. Yeah. Is that, I'm guessing that since you've been here for four years, there was a turning point where you're like, things are going better. Was comedy part of that? Yeah, it all just sort of, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember. My first year here, I was just like, oh, I'll be here for nine months. Like, yeah. I can just, you know, like give up on stand-up for a while, write down some ideas, blah, blah, blah. And then, I don't remember, it was like January or February, I think. I was just like, okay, I really miss this. I need this outlet in my life mm. and so I just posted on one of like the Facebook groups for 
um, expats and I was like, hey, does anyone know of stand-up comedy? Um, does anyone want to start something if there isn't? And uh, they, somebody reached out and put me in touch with somebody and the next thing I knew, I was like booked on this show. Mm-hmm. And um, it, let's see, that, that show, it was wild because like, uh, we were just at this at this bar that that doesn't exist anymore, um, <laughs> which is you know pretty typical, sadly, of of Madrid. But um, it wasn't really like a, a a bar with like any sort of stage or any sort of like setup for performance. So we ended up doing stand up on like a door that was like covered with a tapestry. I mean, like that's yeah. you know like the the type of setup that this was. And the first show that I did, I can't remember. There were like a hundred people in that bar. It was wild. I had never, no, that's that's a lie. I did a show once in college where like we were in a legit theater and like, uh, I think it can fit like 150 people and like a hundred people were there, but it was just, it was unreal. Or you didn't expect that at this like bar with a door on the the, the tapestry. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, they just like, you know, there were like free stand up comedy in English, you know, come by, by donation only. And, it, yeah, it just it was it was wild. Like I showed up and I was just like, oh my god, I've never seen this many people before. Like, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and it just I mean I don't know. I feel like this is my story with stand up. It just accidentally went well, and they were like, come back next month, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So. So you obviously have been doing stand up before in the states. Yeah, I started at the end of um, college. I really wish that I had started earlier, but it was just one of those things where, and like. <sighs> I always hate saying this out loud, but I was like, oh, I'm a woman. Like, you know, I don't ever see women in stand-up. So, like, I don't really know if I can do this. And yeah. I was like, you know, I'm, 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 this is not the type of writing that I do. But, like, I, I post a lot of just, like, stuff on Facebook. Just, mm. you know, like, um, just updates about my life. and like Yeah, I've seen some funny uh, yeah. <laughs> things. Right. So that sort of came because, like, I really like um, complaining about things. Yeah. But I realized that nobody likes to listen to negative complaining. So I was like, all right, if I make this funny, then yeah. I can still complain. But right. people will listen to me. Relatable complaints. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Because, I mean, nobody likes to get on their Facebook news feed and, like, scroll through a bunch of just, like, oh, my day was terrible, you know, kind of stuff like that. So I always try to take, like, a a humorous or relatable sort of approach to, to things. And, um, I don't know for me, it's, it's been just like a really good outlet for a lot of stuff. Cause I've dealt with a lot of like mental health issues. Mm. And like, I remember the catalyst for doing stand up in college was like my boyfriend and I had broken up and then like my grandpa died and it was like right around finals week. And I was like, Oh, this is terrible. Like I need to do something. So I was like, I'll try stand up because it, you know, it, it can't get worse. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, it can. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I just like went to an open mic at my university, and yeah. it was just like me and then a bunch of dudes playing the acoustic guitar. Sure. And uh, I don't know, it went again. It just accidentally went really well. And so every year on my like stand up anniversary, I guess I try to watch the video, and I'm just like this is really painful to watch, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because like I've grown so much as like a performer and a writer and like, I, I don't know. So like it, it's, it's hard for me to watch, but it's nice to be like, wow, you've made we can a see lot improvements. of progress. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know? No, it's really interesting. I, and, and the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is that I did a little bit of stand up uh, also mm-hmm. at the end of college and then like the first couple of years okay. after college. Uh, I just did a lot of open mics in New York mm-hmm. uh, and they were really fun and then also I just was like I don't like bombing yeah. <laughs> I was like I can't keep going to these open mics in the dark where like if I don't get there 
uh, within the first five minutes, I'm like the last person on the list mm-hmm. and I'm performing for the host. Right. <laughs> so, but I admire yeah. people who are able to kind of continue. And also like at the time I was 22 and I didn't really have life experience to right. talk about. Like I think about the jokes that I was saying on stage and it was like nothing. It was not substantive. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like no one could relate to it unless you were like a 22 dummy out of college. Right. Exactly. Which and there are. But. Yeah. And so that was, it's been interesting. Like, cause I've done stand up in a few different, like, um, settings, you know, like when I first started doing stand up, like I was in college and then like after I graduated, I was like, Oh no, I have to start writing for people who aren't in college anymore. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. So, um, when I first started, it was really difficult because it was just like me, like 22, right out of college, and then a bunch of dudes who were like 10, 15 years older than me, and like they were all friends, and yeah. and it was super hard to sort of like break into that group because we had nothing in common, you know? So I didn't really know how to be like, hey, how do I write a joke about like being a woman uh, because you guys are all met, you know? So like that yeah. was really, really hard. I just sort of, I feel like I really just sort of like bumbled around that first year because I didn't really have anyone to like ask for advice who I felt yeah. I could really relate to like the perspective that I was coming from. So that yeah. was a good growing experience for me. Like, okay, how do I relate to this audience? Who's not like fresh out of college? How do I like make these dudes laugh? How do I make, yeah. you know, people in the community who, you know, like you said, have life experience, you know, how do I make them laugh? How do I relate to them? Yeah. So. I think that's the, that's the journey that people go on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't continue, but if I ever were to, to go back and do it, I'd be mm-hmm. like, Oh, there are like other things that I could more right. important things that I can really bring up now. Cause I've, I've lived more, but, mm-hmm. uh, here in Madrid, so you started going to this show or coming back to the show, mm-hmm. uh, and then you started your own show. Yeah. So that sort of, um, that group, um, kind of disbanded towards the end of my first year here and then one of the guys um who was running the show approached me and one of our other friends and he was like hey i want to start my own show will you help me and i was like okay yeah. um and so we just had this brainstorming meeting um where we were all just gonna like come up with a bunch of names and like i was just like trying to think of something cheeky and i couldn't come up with anything and like um my other friend didn't have any ideas, but then like my third friend whose idea it was, was like, all right, what do you guys think about stand up yours? And we were like, yep, that's it. That's the name. So, um, yeah, stand up yours was born. Uh, (laughs) let's see, that would have been 2016, I think. Yeah. So stand up yours is pretty pretty early on into your time here. Yeah. Yeah. So like my second, my second year here, um, and we just did like one show a month at first. And then, um, one of, the people I was working with um, ended up having to move back to the States. So it was just like my um, other friend and I running the show. Um, and then I remember the first time she was like, hey, what if we did two shows a month? And she was like, I don't I don't know. What do you think? And I was like, ooh, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll give it a try. And then like, I don't know what happened, but there was a point where we would sometimes be doing like five or six shows a month like it it went from like monthly to like bi-weekly to weekly and sometimes there were like two venues that we'd be working with so we would do like 
two shows a week and yeah. it just it I don't know like for me it, it felt it took off yeah it, re- it really did and it just it felt kind of crazy because you know I, I know some people like in the states go to like seven open mics a week and they're like you know maybe thinking you know that's not that many but like you have to consider that you know this is Madrid it's uh-huh. not a predominantly English speaking city like the people who come to our shows I don't know I feel like that it's a pretty like transient demographic just because people are always coming and going that's what it seems and like yeah most people here are teaching English um, so they're here for like nine months or like you know two years basically um, you know so it's like it's nice to have a little bit of stability but it's like we're constantly getting like new audience members yeah. into you know it's like there really isn't like a consistent I don't want to like sound like I'm tooting my own horn but like uh-huh. fan base sort sure, of thing. Yeah. you know it's just because it's like we're constantly trying to get new people in and new comics and this year a lot of people have left um a pretty significant amount of like the you know like the people who were in the scene for a long time yeah so it's gonna be i mean and that happens you know it's gonna be a growing year and sometimes there are growing years and sometimes yeah. there are years where like there's a little bit less you know growing that needs to happen so is the community uh or of, of fans or audience mm-hmm. that you really go after english speaking like foreigners or Spaniards who speak English? How does that happen? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a mix. I feel like most of our audience is like people who are here teaching English. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we do get people here who like English is their second or their third language or like people somehow find us like when they're in Madrid on vacation. Yeah. Um, or yeah, like people who are like, I want to practice my English. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we get all kinds of people. And it's cool because we get all kinds of um, comedians, too, because, mm-hmm. like, people will reach out to us. They're like, hey, I'm, like, on vacation. Do you have any shows? You know, so we've had comics, I think, from every continent. You know, we get comics from all over Europe. We get people from, like, the last show that I did. We had somebody from L.A. You know, like, mm-hmm. we get people from all over, which is really interesting, like, perspectives and life experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get a good mix in styles, I imagine. As totally, well. yeah. Do you vet comedians beforehand? Is anyone able to reach out and get on the show? Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes people will be like, here's, you know, like, here's a video, or, like, here's my Instagram, or, like, you know, here, here are all my credits. Like, I've been on, like, HBO. You can see my special on, like, Amazon Prime. Yeah. You know, so, like, we get some people it's who are, like... some big stuff, yeah. Right, yeah. We get some people who are, like, pretty legit, and then we get other people who are just like, hey, like, I'm a comic from, you know, Berlin, or I'm a comic from, you know, wherever. Can I do your show? So, you know, it's nice yeah. to see a video, but we, we try not to turn people away. Like, that's one thing that I'm really thankful for about this this community that we have here is it's, it's very small, um, but it's very supportive, uh-huh. um, you know, because there's not, like, this cutthroat competition, because it's not like there's any money in yeah. stand-up here. I mean, yeah. really anywhere in stand-up, but, like, especially here, it's not like there's, you know, much money. It's not like we're doing this to get famous like we're in the middle of madrid spain doing english stand-up right, so. <laughs> right, right. you're not like in new york or la where you're just like you totally. know cutting people to get in front of them on the on the right show. exactly it's like i might fight somebody to get a higher up spot on the list yeah, you know yeah. but like here everyone's like very supportive it's very you know it's like this nice like comfy bubble i feel like and i'm a little bit afraid to go back to the states and <laughs> right. try stand up you know in, in seattle or wherever I uh, I end up because you know like here it's just it's comfy people just come they you know they expect to have fun to laugh and then like you know that's it we're not right. nobody's trying to get famous nobody's trying to make money so it's just you know it's a nice right it's a supportive, supportive environment scene yeah yeah that's really cool and I think that that I found you know back in the day I found little communities like that and I think it's really important to have mm-hmm. those because you're all working on jokes totally ultimately and like trying to trying to do the best you possibly can and keep mm-hmm. getting better I think that's the most important thing. 
Uh, although, yeah, you can find the people that are going to kind of be the opposite of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, we've had a couple people who have done stand up for the first time and the only time. And then we've That's had, pretty cool. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we have some people who have been doing stand up like, you know, for a couple of years with us. And so that's one thing that I'm, I'm, it's a lot of work to produce a show and to run a show, but it's so rewarding to be able to give people that opportunity to try stand up and to be, you know, yeah. like on stage for the first That's time. That's really cool. For a lot of people, it's just a dream that they always had, but like they never thought they could do it. You know, kind of like me when I was like, yeah. in my, you know, in my like college apartment being like, oh, I can't do stand up. You know, people like, oh, no, 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 you should. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything, you know. So we try to help people like, you know, if you need help, like, you know, going through your jokes or like, you know, come to the show a few minutes early so that we can like show you how to hold the mic and, you yeah. know, like try and give people tips because like that's something that I have to remember I've been doing this for almost six years now and forget like oh people don't know that they can like take the mic out of the mic stand yeah, or like yeah, yeah. move the mic stand out of the way or like this is how to turn on the mic or like this is where you need to stand or like it's really distracting when you you know like walk back and forth even yeah. though you're you know you're nervous so I try to you know like help people and like give them just like tips that I wish that I'd had when I started out and yeah. you know okay. like, yeah Give it back. Pay it forward. I don't forget totally. the expression yeah. is, but one of those two. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. To me, that's that's really important, you know, and especially because, like, I'm leaving. Um, right. It's just, like, I want to, you know, like, leave the best, I don't know if, like, legacy is the right word, but just, like, leave the scene in, like, the best possible shape yeah. um, that I can. Right, because it's something that you built that's yeah. important that you want to keep it going. Totally. Let's talk about that a little bit. You are leaving to Washington. Yeah. Can I ask, if this is okay for me to ask, mm -hmm. is there any, what's the main reason for the for the change? Um, there wasn't really, like, one catalyst, I feel like. There was just, like, a lot of, of little things that kind of added up. Like, I've been dealing with a lot of, like, health issues mm -hmm. um, that'll be easier to have under control in the state, which uh -huh. I realize is ironic because there's no like affordable <laughs> medical care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't have yeah. health insurance in the states. Yeah, but it'll be... it's impossible to get. But yeah, <sighs> yeah, that's a, another podcast yeah. entirely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So I've just been dealing with like a lot of health issues, which you know, like kind of makes me thankful that I do stand up because like that's been a really good outlet yeah. for me to to like kind of cope with everything and then just like you know some visa stuff and I'm just like I'm unhappy uh, teaching and like that's what you do here pretty much like you you teach or you translate and like I don't really want to do right. either of those and I feel like my unhappiness in like teaching is outweighing my happiness of being in Spain so it's like mm. you know it's probably time to time to go and uh you know like I miss my family there's like a couple things I miss about the states not a lot but you know yeah. a few <laughs> yeah, yeah. um so I don't know I just I, I I need a change of pace and like I know Spain will always be here so right. I can come back for a vacation or if I figure out a way to, to have a career without uh teaching or translating you know I can always come back. right you can always come back there's, there's always going to be uh Madrid will be here totally uh so I, I think that makes sense is there something that I'm guessing it might be comedy, but is there something that you're going to miss specifically about Madrid? Oh, most of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, there's a couple... Every now and then I have these moments where I'm just like, I will not miss this when I get back to the state. You know, just like stepping in dog poop all over the street. <laughs> like, that is something I will not miss. Yeah. Um, I will not miss just like... Um, I know, people don't... I Like, people don't clean up dog no. poop here. And it's weird. No. I, uh, you know, with our dog, Novak, I... You know, take the bag out, put my hand in, and every once in a while I'll see someone 
like just kind of looking at me like, what's that guy doing? Right. Like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Yeah. I'm like, picking this up. What are you and doing? Throwing it away so that you don't walk into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's one thing that I'm definitely not gonna miss. And you know, like I will not miss like just the bureaucracy, yeah. the red tape. I mean, I don't know. Like people in the states, I don't think they realize like how easy we have it as like United States citizens that we don't have to deal with all of that paperwork. Like we're not constantly in and out of like immigration offices. Like I have two of those like accordion style folders that I'm bringing home that are just paperwork from my time here and like doctor's notes and you know, just like basically every piece of paper that I've ever acquired to be here, you know? So it, um, it just, it's so much, it's so frustrating. You know, the, the inconvenient hours of, of things. Like I went to the store yesterday cause I was like trying to find a book and, uh, the, the, it was this little like printed out schedule that was like, you know, we're open from 10 to two yeah. and then it literally said siesta and then it said <laughs> five to eight. Yeah. And then like, that was the schedule every day. And then Sunday it said resaca, which means hangover. hangover. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like very directly telling us exactly. I was like, all right, I really appreciate this, but also I'm so annoyed that I missed, you know, I showed up at like two Oh seven or yeah. something like that. And, you know, the shop is like shuttered and it's closed. And I was like, I don't want to, you know, come back. Yeah. Um, so like there's a few things that like I'm definitely not going to miss but just like I really appreciate the work life balance here in Spain because I mean people generally work longer hours at work but mm. when they come home they're done they're finished like they don't yeah. you know that's one thing that I always struggle with when I go back to the states because my friends are always just like on their work email or uh-huh. they're like talking about work or thinking about work or they're working overtime you know it's just it's like so much is focused on work so like that's one thing that I really appreciate about Madrid especially and just like the public transportation here is incredible and you know it's for the most part very clean uh-huh. it mostly arrives on time which you know is something that I really appreciate and am, am grateful for um, it's just and it's such a beautiful city you it know? really is yeah um, there's a lot of things about it that just like really drive me crazy but just like at the end of the day I'm just like I love this place so much like it was it was hard for me moving here because I was um, my university city was like 80,000, I think. And then I came to Madrid, which was like 4 million people uh-huh. in the city. So like that was a huge change for me. But I just, I've really grown to love it. I want to wish you the best of luck yeah, thanks. Uh, going back to the U.S. <laughs> I hope that, that I imagine you'll still stand up and you'll still be in comedy. And I think it'd be pretty cool... Knock on wood, if you come back a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, have mm-hmm. to stand up yours is like still going and flourishing. I think it's a cool, it is a legacy. Yeah, I think. yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, even if it doesn't, like, I ran a show for three and a half years. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. I appreciate you talking to me and telling your story, and it yeah, was really absolutely. fun, really fun to do this. Great, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And a big thank you to Claire. Uh, We haven't had the chance to speak since she moved to Seattle. So Claire, if you're listening, I hope everything is going well. If you want to stay up to date with us, as always, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Pod on both of those platforms. And we'll see you next time.